Welcome to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce with Cindy Stibbard. Cindy is ready to have those candid and unfiltered conversations so you know how to move forward in your marriage. You'll hear inspiring and insightful discussions surrounding this taboo subject to help you feel confident in your decision. Now, here's your host, Cindy Stibbard. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Divorce Redefined. I'm your host, Cindy Stibbard, and I am really excited about the conversation that we are going to have today. And today's conversation might be uncomfortable. It might be, I'm going to use the word triggering right now for some people who have been touched in any way by infidelity or affairs. So I'm just going to give you the heads up right now so you don't get into this episode and think, oh my God, I wish you would have given me the warning that I know want to listen to this. But you know me already by now, I like to talk about hard things and I like to talk about things that need to be talked about and infidelity and affairs and these types of things in relationships are common. They are happening. And so the more that we bring attention to it, you know, our our mission and our sole purpose on this show is to really help to support the people who are going through it, who are touched by it, who are hurt by it or struggling with it. And the more we talk about it, the more support we can get out to the in front of the people who need to hear it most because you aren't alone. This is something that does happen in the world. I'm not saying it's right by any means, but it does exist. And there are people who are suffering from it. So I think that or by it or through it. And we're going to talk about that today. And I think the more that we can, we can sort of shed the layers around uncomfortable conversations, the more we can help to support people who need it most. And because your support means the world to me, and because you all know that I run this podcast free of commercials, free of sponsorships, I do it specifically just for you so that you can get as much support and guidance that you need at whatever stage of life that you're at or whatever you are struggling with. You do come to the right place when you come here on this podcast because I am so grateful and proud to be able to bring you the wealth of amazing guests that come onto the show, that share their expertise, their experience, and really empower you to live your best life and to really help to process whatever difficult times you're going through and get guidance around it. So I am so grateful that you are here and you know that you aren't alone in this. And if you know someone else who would be really benefited by listening to one of the episodes or many of the episodes, please share it with them. And as well, whatever podcast platform you are listening on right now, whether it be Apple or Spotify, please rate and review and subscribe to the show. If you give us a five-star review and a rating, we definitely can get this out in front of the people who need it most. That's really how this becomes in front of those who can benefit from it. And I want to thank you. Thank you all for just showing up because that's part of the process too. I'm really proud of being able to be here to serve you and guide you and and inspire you in any way that I can. And my guests are totally aligned with my thinking, which is why they're they're carefully crafted and chosen to be on this show because I truly believe that what they speak and the message they have and their alignment with helping others is very much aligned with the mission and the purpose that I am here for to do as well. So today we I am sitting down 
with Lauren LaRusso, the affair consultant, and she is going to help us shed some light on this very common yet very complex and misunderstood experience around affairs. So whether you are dealing with an affair alone or you're trying to deal with it as a couple, Lauren believes that a better life for you can lie beyond this really cataclysmic cataclysmic, that's quite a word, experience, even if it's not one that you planned. Lauren has many years of work as a psychotherapist in private practice. She has helped countless individuals and couples processing extramarital affairs that are impacting their lives. Infidelity has affected my life. I think infidelity has affected Lauren's life as well. And I know that many of you out there are listening. It has impacted your life in some way or another, or you know of it. So we're going to talk about this really difficult conversation today. And I'm actually quite happy about it because I like to, I like to do this. I like to get uncomfortable. I like to talk about hard things. So welcome to the show, Lauren. Thank you so much. It's really nice to be here. And I am so, you know, really impressed by the angle that you have taken because it's not very many people out there. I think that really focus on the potential affair partner and what that might feel for someone on the other side of the coin. So I also love just the angle of looking at affairs and being a consultant about that, because I do think that it's something that couples face, couples struggle with. I personally don't think it has to be the end of a relationship in all situations. Sometimes, yes, but a lot of times potentially not. And I want to learn, first of all, your story. What inspired you to go down this path and connect so much with with this topic? Yes, I would say the niche found me. I did not go looking for the niche. So it's definitely been a journey. And it was one that started really um, indirectly. I, I share that my spouse had an affair and I was blown away as many people are when they discover that. And I was a practicing psychotherapist. I was a young mom. This was a number of years ago. And I've been processing that for the last five years myself, both personally and just on this journey to understand what happened. Mm -hmm. You know, it was something that I was playing catch up to as many spouses and individuals are. Even individuals who are in affairs are playing catch up to their own Mm -hmm. experience. And that's something that I think is so important. There's so much that goes on unconsciously within ourselves and within relationships. And an affair is that chance to make the unconscious really, really conscious because we are behaviorally acting out needs, wounds, desires, difficulties, things we can't talk about, things we've learned to avoid, things we want, you know? And so I'm just fascinated by this. And I realize that it's not spoken about and there's so much shame. There's so much shame Mm -hmm. around infidelity and affairs. And it's almost like, much like divorce can be, it's almost treated like um, an illness, right? If I talk about it, if I understand it, if I get too close to it, it's going to come and get me. Um, But that doesn't help because Mm -hmm. it's, it's here. It's been here since the beginning of time. I very naively didn't understand it in my previous life, and I very much understand it now. And part of my role is to give voice to all aspects, knowing that each person's story is their own. And that's what's most important is to honor your own version, your own story, and to understand what this is shedding light on. Whatever your role is, whatever your stance is, whatever your experience is, it's there to bring light to something for you. 
finding out what it is, that's your work. Yeah. Wow. That's a very deep and emotionally evolved position to take, likely because of your training already involved in that. You know, there's often, you know, more sides than just one side of the story and something has to be deeply flawed in a relationship most of the time, I think. I mean, I would love your opinion in order to even get to that to that place, you know, in in yourself as well as in your relationship, all the things that we tend to avoid. And I do think it's a hard conversation because it does take courage to look at yourself, not as I'm blamed for this or this is my fault that this happened in any way, but how did we get here? Where did the cracks happen in the foundation of our relationship to open the door to vulnerability? And, and you know, what went on in order for this to happen? Because it, it is a bit twofold. It's about the person itself and it's about the relationship. And I definitely can empathize with you. I've been on both sides of the infidelity coin. Anyone who's been following me and listening for a while know that story. And so being able to know how that feels on both sides, it really does open up your eyes to, I see how this could happen. And now I see how you could do it. Because I, I mean, I grew up very perfect in my little world as the good girl, always getting the good grades, going to church, all the things. And I even got married thinking, oh my God, I would never, ever do that. And if someone ever cheated on me, I would be out. Well, here you go, getting into a 22-year marriage where my ex-spouse had a number of indiscretions and I never left to the point where I then had my own um, affair at the end of my marriage and left my marriage for someone else. And had I, you know, you don't know when you, what you don't know when you actually never, never experienced it or how it's going to go down for you if it does happen in a situation where you've always said, I would never allow that to happen. And when it did, I treated it far differently than what I have ever anticipated in my life. And for you, when you notice couples coming to you. Is this a piece that you work on a lot with people that come to you and are dealing with infidelity? And are they are they trying to repair this and get through it? Or what do you see a lot happening in relationships? I see all sides. So I work with everyone. I work with affair partners. I work with a couple who is trying to get through it to see if they can survive. I work with uh, hurt spouses. I'll just call it that, right? Because mm -hmm. you know we, we have all of these names that are a little bit reductive, right? But I'm just going to use that as the person who didn't step out of the marriage, the hurt or betrayed spouse. Um, and I work with people who are having affairs to help them navigate it with more grace and you know self-honesty and self-responsibility. So mm -hmm. um, really, I work with everybody. And what's so important is to stay focused on the individual and the people involved. Because the minute that you start to get like I just said, reductive or uh, binary about things or rule-based, right? You said, I would never have an affair. Mm -hmm. Anytime it's those nevers, there's a lesson in there. There's something yeah. in those absolutes where we're going to get handed something that helps us humble ourselves, open our eyes, you know, get in touch with our common humanity. These are some of the hardest topics that anyone can talk about because I think infidelity is particularly painful and harmful because it's an annihilation of safety in a couple and it is destructive. Mm -hmm. It is one thing that you can do that is a surefire bet to destroy what you have. Yeah. And it's my work to sit with people and figure out why and what, 
without shame, without judgment. Um, I certainly hold people accountable. I certainly gently challenge them with love and compassion, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm here to help guide people towards themselves. And I think that infidelity is a real prime opportunity to do that. And I appreciate you sharing your story too. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm an open book around here. (laughs) Um, But tell me a bit about your experience, your perspective about how affairs happen. Like what does it take for a couple to get to that point where it does open up to the potential of affair? Like what factors are involved from, you know, your, your opinion, your, your professional experience of, you know, what's there. Cause I know that a lot of people are probably sitting in their relationships and their marriages thinking, well, how do I safeguard this? Or like, where does this come from? Or how are people blindsided by an affair? Like, how does that even happen? You know? So what do you normally see are the factors? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it is impossible, again, to reduce, but I'll tell you how I think about it conceptually. So first of all, we don't own another person, and we certainly can't control another person. And I think that marriage can give us a facade of safety Mm -hmm. in that regard. You know, we're signing up, we take our vows, and we certainly hope that the other person is, quote unquote, keeping them. And I think what infidelity does is it blows that all apart. So, you know, there's that piece, which is that the safety of marriage is is sometimes just a a construct, excuse me. Mm. Um, And it's up to both people to consciously continually make choices to preserve that. That being said, I think about what causes or contributes to infidelity in sort of four quadrants. So, Um, there's the internal factors and there's the external factors that contribute. Mm -hmm. And then there are sort of the things that push me out of my marriage and the things that, um, you know, pull me out of my marriage. Mm. And you can have the best marriage and still have an external factor that is out of your control out of the lens of everything that you can contribute to your partnership, your life together, your intimacy, because it's just that it's outside. Okay. Let's talk about what, what are those like examples of those would be? Yeah. I think Mm -hmm. it can be a slow creep. You know, one Mm -hmm. thing that I see is people are sometimes quite happy in their marriage at home. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, I'll use work as an example. We spend, I just did an Instagram reel on this. We spend most of our waking lives at work and they can become like our family, right? And Mm -hmm. sometimes we slowly begin to feel more seen, more understood. Um, We're sharing things in that context and we're kind of like in the trenches with our colleagues. And so all it takes is for a slow build of intimacy to be paired with maybe a little bit of a spark of chemistry, interest, attraction. And now we're starting to take things offline. We're starting to maybe, uh, you know, dress a little differently so we can, you know, hope that that person notices us when we're at the water cooler. I haven't worked in an office in a really yeah. long time. I'll the water cooler there. It's probably uh, the you water know, cooler. Yeah. <laughs> you notice yourself and it, it doesn't need to mean that something is wrong at home. It mm. might be, it also might not be. It might just be that there's someone showing you interest, which is um, reminding you you're alive reminding you that you still got it, reminding Mm. you that you're not just the mom, reminding you that you're not just the husband, Totally, Um, whatever it is, right? So 
That's why I think it's so important to have all of these nuanced viewpoints, because we need to understand that sometimes things can happen outside that just give us a different version of ourselves. And we're like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Yes. And I also think in that regard, too, if we aren't really confident in ourselves and confident in our connection with our partner, we can tend to sometimes misperceive, I guess, chemistry with something more. Because I think we can have chemistry with a lot of people in our lives. We can go to the coffee shop and I find like the barista really cute and we make eye contact and we've got chemistry. It doesn't mean you want to have something going on with this person or you want to put your marriage or your relationship at risk. I think as humans, we have the potential to have chemistry with lots of people on a daily basis. It's just a matter of where in yourself do you know that lo- where that line is and knowing that you have enough co- of a connection with your partner at home or outside that you can enjoy this chemistry as a human, but know you would never act on this chemistry. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's about boundaries and boundaries yeah. are getting a day in the sun these days, right? Mm. There's so many people talking about boundaries. And I think what happens with affairs is that boundaries slowly get moved over time. Yeah. There's very few people who go from zero to 60. Most of what I see is a very, very, very slow creep of boundaries, which is why I think it's so important to catch it very early on to know like, what am I doing here? Right. To your point, like, what am I doing here and why? Yeah. Yeah. And I think we can really get lost in our situation and think that we're happy in our in our marriage or relationship because, you know, we're functioning, we go on holidays together, we do all the things, but what's really keeping you connected underneath? You know, if I look back at even my own situation and when I had discovered a couple of times my my husband had indiscretions, I didn't handle it really well. In fact, I didn't handle it at all. I just sort of like found out and then I swept it under the rug thinking like, I am not dealing with this. And then I also wanted to be seen as like the cool wife, you know, the wife that could handle this, the wife that isn't going to like throw me on the street when I've made it, maybe made a mistake. You know, I wanted to be looked at as holy crap. Like maybe I'm more, I'm different than all the other wives. Right. And that's just giving me such punishment in myself because I didn't address it. Basically, I, I, when I found out, I remember one time I found out it was over these emails that he was having and I was going away for the weekend with some girlfriends and I found it literally the day before I was leaving. And I said, this, if you want this, then you need to tell me whether you're in or you're out of this marriage by the time I get back on Sunday night. And we had two small kids at the time. And so it terrified and sickened me in my stomach, but I didn't know how to address it. I didn't know what to do about it. We did not have a really emotionally deep relationship where we started to talk about why this was happening. And if we did, the why it was happening was it was because it was me and I was so involved with the kids and I was too busy for him and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? It was my fault that he would be looking outside the marriage. And looking back, I realized, of course, that some of it, yeah, some of it was my fault. I didn't give him maybe all the attention that someone in a relationship would would need. I gave it all to my kids because they were my focus at the time. I definitely focused on them and less on him because we didn't have that emotional connection. I didn't pour into him. And emotionally, he wasn't pouring into me. It was more of like, I'm providing for you financially. That should be good (laughs) type of thing. So looking back, there were so many things that we just didn't know how to do. And as you swept, as I swept things under the rug, I think the resentment just built and built where I started to look at him differently. I started to disconnect from him differently. I feel like I started falling out of love because I thought, you know, how could you, how could you go there? 
you know, multiple times with other people when here I am sitting at home with your children asking you for a date night and you're telling me I'm too busy. You know, there's just so many things involved that we, but we don't go there with our partners. We don't have those deep conversations. We never once did therapy because, well, therapy was in his mind is, you know, when you were, you're not crazy, <laughs> so you don't need therapy. And so looking back, you know, there are a lot of things that we just didn't do. And so this is what sort of opened the door to, of course, he's going to have, you know, someone else is going to, is going to give him attention outside of his marriage. I get it. I wasn't. And so then it came to my situation later. I had so much built up resentment that I felt, you know what, what about me? How about me? How about I want someone to look at me? Like you said, not the mom at home, you know, like I'm not just a mom anymore in these Lululemon pants. Like I am still more than that. I still have it somewhere, you know, and I want to feel that again. And when you feel that outside of your marriage, even if it's just the way someone looks at you, if you aren't in a happy place and feel connected with your partner, that can be a very dangerous, quickly slippery slope. That's right. That's right. And so you've done a lot of reflecting on your contributing factors, which I think is so important. You know, staying in that victim role is very easy Mm -hmm. and Again, these things are very nuanced, but I think that healing becomes possible when you're far enough out from it to reflect on, you know, what was mine and what was his and what was ours that we created together. And that's something that I'm also always talking with people about, whether it's working with an individual or working with a couple, it's about taking ownership of what did I contribute? What did I bring? What did he contribute? What did he bring? Mm-hmm. And then what the heck did we create together? Yeah. And in my case, my husband freed me. I would have never said that at the time. Yeah. I was traumatized. I was bewildered. And like you, I was like, I'm going to be evolved. I'm a therapist. Do you yeah. want an open marriage, honey? Right. 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 I said, well, who? what's her name? I sat down. What is her name? She deserves to have a name. She's in a relationship with you. I mean, never once did I come at her. Mm -hmm. He was the one who had the responsibility to me in our lives together. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I wanted to understand it from day one, help me understand what's here. Help me understand what this can give us because whatever we had let us here. Yes. And let this be the end of that and the beginning of something new that's co-created because of this. Now that takes two people Mm -hmm. and he didn't want that. And that's okay because you can't make someone want to be with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I am freed. Yeah. Right. It's a very evolved approach to, to look at it. Absolutely. And it does take it time. It takes time and it takes that it's grieving time. and that anger yes. and that resentment to, to flow out, you know, yes. and when you look at relationships, what tends to be missing a lot of the times to open the door to infidelity. Like what's really going on? I know that it can be really tempting outside and look at, okay, I'm at work all the time or I'm with these other people, but what tends to be sort of the disconnect inside the relationship that opens the door to these, to possible affairs? You know, I think that a lot of times intimacy, which is a catch all for interpersonal safety and honesty. Mm -hmm. And there are so many ways that over time, we might show our spouse that they can't be honest with us, that they can't be themselves with us, that uh, we may shut down parts of them that we're not comfortable with because we're not comfortable with those very parts in ourselves. Mm -hmm. We may turn them away 
And we do that very inadvertently throughout the course of daily life. We let them know that, you know, I'm not here for that, or I don't want what you want, or I don't have the availability for that right now. And we're human. Life is busy. We've got all of these things going on. You know, we can't give all of ourselves to our partner all day, every day. That's not realistic. But the intimacy is about relational safety and connection. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that we can be vulnerable with each other and vulnerability requires safety. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. And if you don't feel safe with your partner, what do you have really? You know, right. You and a lot of times way. people say, well, I don't feel unsafe. Mm. Well, right. That's right. And yet let's look back in the marital history and let's talk about a time that you came to your partner with something important to you and how that went Mm -hmm. and how you walked away feeling and what you decided within yourself from that point on. Yes. There are always those little vignettes that get skipped over in favor of the binaries, right? You're bad. I'm good. You stepped out. I didn't. I did it too, right? I could have had many affairs, but I went running back to my husband. Oh, I love you, right? Uh, How terrifying for someone else to proposition me outside of the marriage. I just went running back home, but he didn't. And it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. at the end of the day when it comes to taking stock of those little hurts that happen inside of the relationship. I don't get brownie points for not having had the affair. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I just don't get them. Yeah. And I think that infidelity is one of the most painful things that you can do. Yeah. I really do. It annihilates the relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yet the healing is in being able to look back and say, you know, you heal yourself when you look back to those stories and say, I stepped out of my marriage, but wait, remember that time that I came to my spouse and I, I let them know how distressed I was over our disconnection. Yeah. And they brushed it off. Yes. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I really encourage people to step back from those labels that are so tempting and delicious because that's where shame and guilt and all of those things that keep us silenced and small and stifled live. We yes. got to go underneath and we got to get into our own stories because that's our life. Yeah. These things don't happen in a vacuum. We do. And we have to start having those conversations with our partners early on and see how they land and create that safety place. Because I also think, and you can tell me what you'd love to hear your your thoughts on this, but I think one of the things that also opens the door to infidelity is conflict avoidance. And I think that's one of the biggest thing that lurks, especially for me. I mean, I'm such an avoider of conflict. I mean, way more than, I mean, way less than I used to be. Now I'm far more confident in how I approach conflict. But I feel like because it was, I know, so conflict averse and we'd avoid conflict, then of course you want to look for that emotional connection and someone who would hear you outside of your marriage. And I think that's how things can start. Like I can't address these things at home because of how they're received, because of the defensiveness that comes up, because of the fights that end up having when I start talking about how I feel or how how this makes me feel, that you need to have an outlet somewhere. So if you're avoiding conflict in your relationship, 
I think it's, I think it's terrible. I think when those couples say that, oh, we never fight, I'm always like, oh, that's a red flag. There's going to be like, this is not good. It's not, do you not fight? It's how do you fight, you know, and how healthy is that repair factor, which I didn't grow up ever learning that when you fought, you could come around and it was good. Like you could all, you could get through it. It was a fight and it either ended something or, you know, it ruined a relationship or it's, or it stopped there and you never really repaired anything and people would go to their own rooms and never talk about it again. And so I think I repeated that in my marriage for sure, as well as I think my ex-husband did too. And now looking at how to change that narrative around just because you have conflict does not mean it's over, does not mean it has to end. It means how do you get back to where you were and the time that it takes, like that bounce back factor of, you know, you have conflict, you talk about it, and then getting back to a place of connectedness and repair. But I think it's that conflict avoidance piece that can really open the door to being like vulnerable to something else. You're absolutely right. And I have a reel on that exact topic as well. And what you described, Cindy, is conflict avoidance um, coming from a place of being afraid of the other person's response and reaction. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to safety in the marriage, interpersonal safety. And yet, and yet many of us grew up conflict avoidant because, like you said, we never witnessed how healthy conflict goes. And conflict can become a portal for control and power struggles in a relationship rather than, like you said, a place where you can express yourself, acknowledge the differences between the two of you, seek to understand and then recover. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's that recovery that's essential, but who the heck grows up learning that? Oh gosh, right? Not most people. <laughs> hopefully now our kids are like hopefully we oh. learn and we're more evolved humans to start yeah. to model these behaviors, but I do think that we have a really long way to go. Um Absolutely. I do want to talk about the flip side of this because I do work with clients all the time who are the ones who are in the affair. They are the affair partner and they have maybe left their marriage in hopes that the individual they were having an affair with was going to do the same. And here they are waiting day in, day out for this person to make that same choice, you know, or they, or not, or they're just waiting for their affair partner to finally leave their marriage. And sometimes we're talking like, years on end of this person being the affair partner. And I know that people are out there thinking, oh my God, how could we talk even remotely compassionately about someone who's having an affair and a homewrecker with someone else? But this person has vulnerabilities too. You know, this person, yes, is there by choice. Yes, they know what they're getting themselves into. But yes, they also have this connection with this person or they've been given this sense of hope by this other person who is married and is giving them sort of this story, I think, of, of, of why they need to hold on. So I want to talk about this side of it, because being the affair partner is not a fun place to be either, you know, and how that works, because you also have to endure a lot of the pain and the waiting while your person you're having an affair with is still inside another relationship. So talk about this, because I think this is an angle and a perspective that we definitely don't talk a lot about. Yes, the third party, mm-hmm. the other person, the affair partner, they are silent, they are unseen, and they are vilified. 
Big time. And mm-hmm. again, it's so important to extract what's right morally from what is, right? And it and it is. There's three people in an affair. There's the spouses and the person on the outside. And that person is real and they have feelings and they have their own experience of what they've been told. Um, They may sometimes believe that they are doing a service to their married affair partner, that they need to be saved from a neglectful marriage, that they are helping by showing them what a relationship should look and feel like, that they're mirroring back the value that has been lacking in the marriage. And they are hoping that they can continue to do that with this person in real life. Now, some people are very upfront and they say, I'm never leaving my spouse. So this is what it is. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to be honest about that. You can be here or, you know, not, but just know what you're getting into. Yeah. We still negotiate with reality as affair partners. And we may think, well, if I am just good enough, lovable enough, show them enough, they will leave. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there's a lot of bargaining that goes um, on with being with someone who's unavailable. Um, but more often than not, the person who's still married is sharing details about their marital discontent with the affair partner. Yeah. And that is a big factor in the hope, as you say, right. In the building of the hope that that person will finally do what they need to do to extract themselves from their own unhappiness and be with the affair partner. Mm -hmm. But the affair partner is in a tremendous amount of pain in the meantime. And nobody gets into an affair knowing how painful that it's really going to be. Right. Because even if you leave your marriage for an affair, you have to walk through a tremendous amount of pain. Yes. And if you are the affair partner and you're unpartnered, you're single, you are in excruciating pain over waiting for someone with whom you have no autonomy and control over their choices. Right. Or the timeline. Yeah. And so my work with affair partners is about restoring what control and self-worth they do have connection to and trying to live their own lives and try to restore that sense of themselves as best as they can, regardless of whether they choose to continue with the relationship or try to untwist themselves. Right. As I can definitely see that it's very layered in terms of your self-worth and what you are willing to tolerate and settle for even, because when we are put in our, ourselves in that position of waiting for someone who isn't choosing us back, that I feel is such a, such a message in itself. I think whoever is meant for us will also choose us too. You don't have to wait for them to finish up with their marriage or whatever it is. They will choose you back. And I, it does break my heart for these for these people who who wait and don't have enough courage to say, you know what, I deserve better. I deserve someone who's going to choose me back. And if that's not going to be you, then I'm I'm going to have to sever this ties. I'm going to have to cut the cord in this relationship and know that there's something else that's that's more serving of me. Yeah, the ideal approach is that you are connected to yourself enough to your self-worth enough that you've done enough work within yourself to notice that you've been entangled in a relationship that is not meeting you where you need it to be Mm -hmm. and to not negotiate with that any longer because what keeps people in affairs is the constant negotiation. Right. And what you said is so important, which is, you know, if you are going to be with me, if we are meant to be together, that's wonderful. 
and I'll be here. I'm not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. Right. You go handle what it is that you can start having those hard conversations, start, you know, making moves at home. But when you're just sitting there stagnant, that's a big problem, right? That's a big problem. That's where a lot of pain and confusion comes in. And you do see that a lot. I see that quite often with my clients who have been waiting for years for the other spouse to make the moves. And so you do have to, you know, really look in yourself and think, okay, this is a message in itself. Do I continue to wait for this? Because actions speak louder than words, in my opinion. So if you're going to actually speak the truth, you need to act the truth as well. And if if this relationship is meant for you, then you they have to know that, you know, they have to take some steps to not just keep you dangling in yes. hopes because that's that's quite manipulative, really, and potentially abusive in a way, don't you think? I mean, what do you think about that? I think that's a, a great point. And it is, but it's usually inadvertent. Mm-hmm. So when you're in an affair, you're doing it to ease your own pain. Yeah. And you may be causing pain to your spouse and you may be causing pain to your affair partner, but we are mostly interested in easing our own pain. Mm-hmm. And so when someone keeps their affair partner on the hook, it's usually not done maliciously. I'm not saying it's right. It's very painful, but yeah. they, it's like, you can't get your head out of your own ass. Excuse my language, yes. right? Most people cannot get out of their own way enough to start to do the next right thing. Yes. And that's when you see them become addicted too. like, they keep going back. They know it's over. He's not going to leave or, you know, I can't leave my marriage, but I keep going back to this person, back to this person. And now you're, you're addicted to this sensation of, I don't know what I'm going to do if I don't have this, this affair partner in my life, because then I have to deal with my marriage and I don't know what to do with that. That's right. And I think that the best thing you can do is get busy living, Mm -hmm. right? If you are waiting for somebody else to begin your life, what the heck are you doing? Oh, yes. Amen to that. Get right? busy living. Get busy yes. living and start connecting to yourself and start connecting to your worth and your integrity and your own joy and your own happiness and your own identity. Because guess what? Even if that person leaves their marriage for you, someday they're going to leave you, whether it's because they pass away, whether it's because that relationship doesn't work. We have to be ready to let go of the people we love. Yes. And we have to be ready to be whole Mm -hmm. and recover. And I think that can be done at any time. Yes. Because that's not, that's out of our control. A lot of the times, like we are going to experience loss, the greater we love, the greater the loss. And that is going to happen. Like you said, in certain ways, even in, in death, which is what I've recently experienced, you know, a loss that I would never have imagined to choose, but you, but I don't think I would have handled it as as well had I not spent the last five and a half years really investing in me and my self-worth and knowing that I am not my relationship. I am not the person that I'm with, although it's it, it was hugely beneficial and it was amazing to be with a partner. It's not, it doesn't define me. You know, we were not, we were two independent equal individuals who showed up to be with each other, not two halves to make a whole. And I know that that takes a lot of work and a lot of confidence. And we can tend to slip into the easy, into the easy route of falling into living with someone or, you know, the the codependency really easily because it can feel really good 
to do that. But learning to set some boundaries around yourself and what you need, I think is super important. Um, I want to talk about now the ability for a couple to recover from an affair. Because I think a lot of times we see, oh, the affair is what ended the marriage. The affair is not what ended the marriage. I mean, this is totally my opinion. The affair was the catalyst for the end. and But that is not what ended the marriage. It came far before that. And this was just how we like to put a stamp of, oh, that's why it ended. Oh, and everyone's like, oh, okay, good. how was an affair? No, it wasn't just that. There was so many other things going on that involved both of them. But I also feel that if you have a certain connection or a love or a respect or, you know, the wanting and willingness and capacity, this could be a really good opportunity to reconnect when you completely blow up a situation and hit rock bottom together. What's the, what do you see as, as the possibilities for repair and recovering and being able to move on from an affair? Cause I know that that could be incredibly difficult to do. It is incredibly difficult and it takes a high level of commitment and it takes a high level of tolerance for uncertainty. And a lot of people don't have that. So it really requires both people in the marriage to be committed to the marriage. And with that commitment, are they willing to get honest and take personal responsibility for their parts? Mm -hmm. Where that gets blocked is when the finger pointing happens around the affair. Mm -hmm. Yes, the affair was the big dynamite, right? The affair was blew it all out of the water. And the only person who can take responsibility for that choice is the person who had the affair. And there is everything else in the marital construct to work with. Mm -hmm. And so as you say, it really destroys everything that came before it. And it's an opportunity, but you need to have a lot of courage. Mm -hmm. And it takes time. And what happens is people get discouraged because it's not happening fast enough. And they're in a lot of pain and distress. And they're like, I don't know if I can do this. You also need to accept a marital history now that incorporates infidelity. Mm -hmm. Right. And that can be very challenging because working with affairs requires you to hold multiple things to be true at the same time. And what I mean by that is we had 25 years together and had two children and all of these things we built. And there was this wound Mm -hmm. that happened during this time. And right. That word and, and we're going to go on to co-construct. Yeah. To heal. Yeah. There are some couples who just sweep it under the rug. There are some couples who take it as an opportunity to build something different. And really it's up to that couple. There are a lot of people who never do any work on it. Right. It happens. It is addressed through anger, resentment, hurt, pain, and that's it. Right. We have a lot of boundaries, a lot of rules, a lot of like, you can't do certain things, or there's now restrictions on your behavior because I just can't trust you. And I see that trust piece really suffering. And I I mean, I can understand that. How can you trust someone who you literally trusted before? And now that trust was broken. Trust is so hard to build back. And knowing that, you know, am I going in for just another round of hurt 
and for this to happen again? And how do we ensure that that trust can be built up? So what do you typically do with clients to help them rebuild that trust? Because I do see a lot of people who are suffering in a marriage who are literally in that phase of where I work with people is in their, they're in that contemplation phase. Like, should I leave or should I go? And there has been an infidelity in many cases. And they're trying really hard to build that trust back to see if they can stay. And sometimes it's been a few years and they still don't have it. So how do you coach, therapize, you know, help people heal through that trust? What do they need to do to build trust back? Yes. I would say if it's been years and they still don't have it, I would really want to sit with why. Mm. The person who stepped out of the marriage is responsible for initially restoring the trust and transparency that was used in order to create secrecy previously. Right. And then what we need to work out is the difference between privacy and secrecy. Because what happens with affairs is that human privacy, which we all have a right to and a basic need for, Mm -hmm. turns into a foundational space for secrecy. Mm, Yes. And how do we know the difference? So if you're going to have privacy, then we need to know that it's not being used for secrecy. And so what is going on day in and day out where transparency can be fostered, personal accountability can be taken. Um, You know, the spouse who has been betrayed may have a lot of insecurities and fears and they do need to initially be able to express those fears and be comforted and reassured. They do. Yeah. And a lot of times there's resistance from the person who had the affair because they want their privacy. Right. Right. Why am I being treated like I robbed a bank? Why am I being treated like, you know, a villain? I want to still know that I have my rights. Well, you might lose them for a little while. Yeah. And I think it's a little while that you need to adjust to. This is a transition period of rebuilding that trust. And I like that you said privacy and secrecy. So if you're going somewhere private to do something in secret that your spouse can't know, then here we have a a problem. Now we have a problem. Yeah, there is absolutely the need for privacy to be healthy. I totally understand that. But if you are, where's that line between secrecy and privacy? Like, let's say you have a journal and you want to write about your thoughts and your feelings, even if this might be about an affair partner that you had, and then you let go of that. Is this something that's also considered secret when you aren't sharing this? Like, are these things all needing to be out in the open now that you have breached this trust? What is that? Where is that line? Mm, That's a great question. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, I think that if it is you processing and you doing your own work, you need privacy to do that as the spouse who stepped out of the marriage. And if it is creating, as you say, secrecy in the doing, now we are continuing the problem. Mm -hmm. And so there's a difference between exploration, right? Within yourself and stepping out. And that needs to be clearly delineated. I will also add that trust within oneself is a huge part of the healing process. When your spouse has looked you in the eye for years, months, day in and day out, telling you where they're going, what they're doing, that everything is the way you think it is, and it is not. Mm -hmm. 
you no longer trust your own eyes, ears, and mind. Right. Yeah. That requires a lot of healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can imagine that piece in itself knowing. Yeah. I remember that piece too, is looking at them thinking, looking at my ex-husband thinking, I can't trust anything that you say. And to the point where I think I had to just be okay with that, knowing that if the lines were crossed, like when you're in a situation where you've been down this path and this is a fine line of this can't happen again, knowing that if it does, that this is my true bottom line here. And there is lines that are crossed again, meaning that action is taken. I can I can have compassion for someone who is doing their healing and maybe they're keeping a journal and they're writing about all their feelings that they had for this person. That's different. I think when you actually then take those feelings and act on them outside of your marriage in a way that is going to put your marriage at risk again, then yes, now there's an issue. But I think the person who is deciding to stay in the marriage and rebuild this trust, you have to know that, okay, if this is to happen again, here's the, my bottom line is that I am going to be okay without this relationship. I have because decided. Yourself. Yes, right? I know that if this was ever to happen again, I'm strong enough to be able to say, okay, we can't continue this anymore. I did gave it a chance. I did the best that I could, but this is where my bottom line actually is and I can't do it. And I respect myself enough to make that hard decision to say that, you know, it's not necessarily all your fault again. It's it's me also saying, I can't do this for myself. You know, this is just not something that I feel happy and a relationship can I, I can be he- healthy in and I need to make that choice for myself. That's part of why discovery is so terrifying. And that's part of why control around reestablishing trust can be so tightly held. Mm. Because as the betrayed spouse, you're actually afraid of being confronted with the need to make a decision for yourself. Right. And it's like, God forbid you give me another reason to have to do the thing that I don't want to do. Right. Which is decide if I'm going to live with this or go and everything that that means. Yeah. It is terrifying. Terrifying. Absolutely. And that's a lot of reasons why we shove it under the rug because we know the reality of having to confront that and what that would mean for our life and our future. That's right. when you look at yeah, what's the, what are your what's your thoughts about this whole you know once a cheater always a cheater kind of mindset? I cannot stand that saying mm-hmm. for so many reasons. But you'll notice whether it's on my Instagram or social media, I actually don't comment back very mm-hmm. often mm-hmm. because the misconceptions and the sort of old wives' tales and the labeling is so widespread, you can't keep up with it. Yeah. Once a cheater, always a cheater is absolutely not true. We have to look at the individual because if someone steps out of their marriage and experiences infidelity, oftentimes it has been so painful. Mm -hmm. That is enough to deter them from ever experiencing that pain again. Oh God. Yes. Like I look at my own situation. I'm like, there's no way I will make that choice. I will get out of any relationship or address whatever issue is in there before I even think about crossing that line. Like there is just knowing, I think, because of where I've come in myself, knowing that I would never betray myself like that anymore either, because that feeling of desperation that you have when you have to, or you feel like you need to step out because you're not getting what you need in your relationship is this sense of 
yeah, this desperate feeling of I need something else. And I know that I can feel it this way. I can say never now because I've done it. (laughs) So I get to say never. (laughs) Well, you've learned from the pain, right? And so it's a question for anybody. Are you willing to do your work? Are you willing to take personal responsibility for yourself? And are you willing to do your best to learn from the pain that's given to you in your life so that you don't repeat that pattern. We're going to repeat others. We just haven't learned that lesson yet. But for a lot of people who have stepped out of their relationships, that pain is absolutely enough to teach them a great lesson about the value of becoming conscious in their relationships, about staying connected enough to themselves in a relationship to be able to advocate, to vocalize, to verbalize, to confront, to acknowledge, and to deal. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's exactly how I feel in my situation. And I know that Mike felt the same way because when you also come together through infidelity, there's a lot of uh, the the foundation of trust. It needs to be rebuilt because it's like, okay, you stepped out of your marriage for me. I stepped out of my marriage for you. How is, can we protect ourselves from this happening again? And I think in a lot of relationships, you know, even post-divorce, we don't do the work ahead of time. We think we get into this other relationship. This is going to be the fixer. They're so different than my previous partner. But if we take our same self into that relationship, the same patterns are going to continue. They're just going to look a little different. And so don't be afraid to dive into the therapy early on because that's what's going to actually connect you even further when you're already in a good place. Sometimes you can get to a better place and you really can start to define what your boundaries and your standards and your expectations are in your relationship and be able to safeguard what you've got so that, you know, as you go forward, here's what I need. Here's what I expect. And here's how this is going to be healthy working together. That's right. Be proactive, Mm -hmm. not reactive. Yes. And I think that as you said, wherever you go, there you shall be. So if you don't look at yourself, if you don't do the work within yourself, if you don't know what it looks and feels like to be that best partner to anyone else, that's exactly what it's going to be like, no matter where you go. Nobody else is going to fix us ever. No, ever. Always an inside job. Yes. Oh, Lauren, I love it. I could talk about this all day. So the hour went by so fast. Thank you so much for being here. Um, please tell everyone out there where they can find you for support. You can find me at Lauren LaRusso, L-A-U-R-E-N-L-A-R-U-S-S-O at Instagram or theaffairconsultant.com. Amazing. Thank you. Yes, please, everyone go check out her Instagram and her website. I do have it written in the show notes for you to just go and click on over there um, and give her a follow. And if you know anyone who's been touched by infidelity in any way, she is she is your girl. Go and get inspiration and support through that really, really challenging time and hang in there. Thank you, Lauren. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon, Cindy. Thank Sounds you. Good. Bye. Thank you for listening to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce. We hope Cindy and her guests were able to put your mind at ease and help you make the right decision for your marriage. We wish you a beautiful week.